All right, so last week I spoke about how do we confront other people. Um, did anyone have a crack at it? So, like, what was the, I'll give you three words that kind of, three words, three words that hopefully kind of guide you through how to do it. What were the three words? Thanks, Ori. Going to be confronted afterwards here. No. Um, confront, not condemn. So, so it's not a matter of just running away from circumstances. I'm not going to confront that. But it's also not confronting that and condemning the person in that. So there's this balance where we look for what's God's best that we can impart to them. And we give that through our confrontation. Um, so did anyone find themselves in a situation this week where they uh, um, realized or had to confront? And last week's message actually helped or made a difference. I'm not looking for affirmation for me, but how, how does our faith influence and affect our confrontation? Do anyone find themselves in that space? Maybe? Maybe the reverse. Oh. <laughs> no, not that reverse. Yeah, not, not, that re- not that reverse, but it was helpful. Someone, someone actually had um, been uh, meaning to share something with me for some time. Uh, as, as it came out in the conversation with them. Um, and so it was actually helpful for me to, um, kind of with what Ralph shared, to, to kind of see that, that they were anxious about what they had to say and they thought that it might upset me. Um, and so I was really able to, um, you know, use it in reverse, I guess, to, to kind of um, make them comfortable and, and put them at ease and then they could share openly what they had to say for me and it wasn't really an issue at the end of the day and um, um, so but in what they had to share um, the it, it would it could have been easy for me to kind of have a, a condemning way of responding um, uh, and so um, so it was helpful in that sense to kind of to kind of go oh someone's trying to uh, confront me um, but I can I can kind of help them do that in a healthy way um, that hopefully will make them more comfortable going forward um, and they can take that into other conversations to come. I realised I um, condemn people in my head a lot. Oh, oh man. So that was a confession time. <laughs> um, when you start talking about condemnation, you realise, oh, wow. I spent the, not, not a lot of my life, but too much of my life in that headspace. And, um, and, and what, what does it mean to step out of that space? And what I found was you go, oh, what's God actually thinking about that person or that situation? And, and that shifts things, which I, I found liberating. Um, anyone else want to share anything? <laughs> well, Kaz, today might help you, um, uh, uh, and I'll explain why in just a sec. So this, this series is called Awaken. Um, and we're looking at how do we wake up to the things God wants us to wake up to. Um, and last time we talked, last week we talked about how you confront. And today I want to look at the other side of that equation. So, so what about when someone confronts us? What about when someone confronts us? What do we do? How do we respond to that? How do we think about that? How do we react? And and if you just had to have a, like a default, like to uh, go to your default setting on how do you respond when somebody confronts you? What is it? Uh, is it defensive? Is it humble? Oh, thank you so much for saying those words. Is it passive aggressive? Oh, I really like what you said. I'm going to shoot you in the face later on. Um, is it defiant? No, that, that is absolutely incorrect. 
Is it accepting? Yeah, cool. It, it can be hard, can't it? Because there's all sorts of scenarios. There's, there's sometimes we're out of line and people confront us. So we're out of line, we do something or living or whatever, which isn't cool, and somebody confronts us about that. But sometimes we get confronted when we, we're spot on, when we're doing things for God, when we're in that sweet spot and people don't like that. And then sometimes there's when God confronts us. How do we go with that? How, what's my, am I um, defensive or, or humble or accepting or passive-aggressive when God confronts me? On something, um, the majority of my childhood was living in the space of being confronted, mainly by my parents for very rarely, every occasionally doing something that was really, really naughty. For example, the tennis racket test. Have you guys ever done the tennis racket test? I'll talk you through it because it's a good one. You may want to do it. You get a new tennis racket, brand new tennis racket, and you take it. You go out to the patio. See, we've got lots of space to move, and then you take a rock. And the idea is to see how strong Teresa, you're a tennis fan, you try this on Tuesday night, right? You take the rock and the tennis racket and you hit it as hard as you possibly can into the stratosphere. So you just smash this rock. And so I'm like an eight-year-old kid and I give it everything I could. And this rock sails out of view. And then it reaches its apex and decides to descend, which in my little brain, I, I didn't think that part of the equation through. I thought this will be amazing. And it was until it decided with pinpoint accuracy to aim for dad's glass greenhouse. I mean, talk about inconsiderate. I gave that rock everything and that's what it replaced me for. And there was the most deafening crash when this tiny little stone nearly destroyed dad's glass greenhouse as it came crashing in and it didn't matter how many times I pleaded with dad that I'm sure God told me to do it I was actually doing a good thing that that dad wasn't dad was never shy in confronting us it's a trait that I hope to bring to my children and I try Um, and my response my response wasn't brilliant either first of all I froze in absolute terror of this confrontation that was about to take place. And then when it did take place, I ran away. Now, I am not advocating those two responses today. Like if that's how you respond to confrontation, absolute terror and then running away, we probably need to shift and turn around that because the scripture calls us to something different. It calls us to confront in a different way. And we're going to look at words that are spoken from what the Bible and other scholars say is the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. He was tasked with building the temple and he started a little waywardly. He was a bit skew-if. And in a moment of him going and burning some sacrifices on some ancient um, high places, God addresses him and offers him grace. says, Solomon, what do you want most in this world? What do you want? Because I'll give it to you. What do you want most? And he could have asked for wealth or land or power, but he asked for wisdom. And God gives him this wisdom. And out of that wisdom, all these other things are given to him. And then over the course of his life, he would say things, he would write things, he would communicate things of such wisdom that the scribes surrounding him would write them down. And if you go to the book of Proverbs, we have some of the words of Solomon in there, these wise words, these sort of stanzas. And the fifth stanza, the fifth verse of Proverbs um, is where we're going to camp in today. In a lot of ways, it captures what the whole gist of Proverbs is about, the whole idea of Solomon. And we're going to take that and go, how do we look at confrontation with these wise words? So here are the words which will stick up for you to save you looking at it. So we're just going to camp out here today. 
Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So there's this beautiful invitation to be more wise. It's like, come be more wise, be more wise. Now, a bit of a show of hands. Who would say they're really, really wise here? Ah, see, you're all perhaps wiser than you think. Because if you just said, oh, that's me, it's probably not the wise thing to answer to that, that question. So, so you're probably already wise. And so, so this is great. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. So you're, you're in the right spot. So we can be wise and we can not know anything because we can still add to our learning. So Solomon was the wisest man, but there was still learning that he had to do. What Wisdom is not knowing everything. It's not having learnt everything. It's being able to apply it. With, with God's focus and perspective. So, so there are things that we all still have to learn, but we can still be wise. So when you say, oh, I didn't know that, or I didn't realise that, or I should have known better, or whatever, that doesn't mean you're not wise. So, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guided. So first of all, we need to, what? Listen. Oh, yes, you guys are on it. Great. Not just hear what's being said. Listen. So listen means, oh, I take that on board. I, I, I start working with that and wrestling that and trying to apply it when I listen first. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. So first I need to listen. And second, I need to be discerning about the input. And let the discerning get guidance. So discernment is a spiritual activity. How would you best define the, the spiritual nature of discernment. What is discernment, you think? What, what have you got? Determining what God's trying to say? Great. Hearing? Yep. Discerning the source of the message? Someone... Yep. 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 Weighing, filtering. Great. I, I, I write that they're all like spot on. I love this. It's entertaining the wisdom and direction of God. To discern is to entertain the wisdom and direction of God. So get this right. I do something that's not good or that upsets somebody or that grates against somebody. And that somebody then confronts me about it. And I listen to them. So I start going, okay, what are they actually saying? And then the discernment part is the decision I make about what to do with that input, I make with God. So first of all, I listen. And then before I jump to any conclusions, I'm starting to go, God, what's your take on this? What do I need to learn about this? What do I need to gain from this? What do I do with this. Now often we're confronted with something and instead of seeking God, we seek a bunch of other alternatives. We seek revenge or retribution or respect because we're embarrassed or we we seek a safe hiding place where we never have to speak to that person again or be in that scenario again or we seek to blame others that I'm actually not in the wrong here. It's you or whatever. But let the discerning 
get guidance. You see, when we're confronted by something, we should seek God to help us value what needs to be valued in the confrontation. Being confronted about something is being offered a gift. Now, I know it doesn't feel like present time when someone confronts you on something, but they're actually saying, this, this gift, I might have wrapped it really, really, really bad. But there's a gift here that could benefit you. But to validate the gift, we take it to God instead of taking it personally. Too often we take our confrontation personally. Don't do that. It's a gift that you have to use to play with, to work out what it is. And to know how to do that, you go to God and go, okay, so this is this thing out here. I'm not wearing it. I'm not putting on me. There's this thing out here. God, help me to know what to do with this and and work forward on this. Because if you take it personally, it will mess you up. But if you take it to God, it will build you up. So if I go to God, I will then know where to go. Because the discerning get guidance. So let me show you how this works. Quite some time ago, I was confronted by someone about a sermon that I did. And it was a really good confrontation. The person confronted me really, really well. Um, And what happened was the scenario that kind of led to this this, um, thing was um, I preached about, it wasn't a controversial topic, but it was a topic that required a lot of challenge. So I delivered the challenge, but what I failed to do was actually to partially care for people in the process. So it's basically like slapping someone over the face with a Bible and saying, go on then, go do it. So I lacked saying, this is really challenging to you in particular ways. Here's how God meets you in that. Here's why you shouldn't be intimidated by that. Here's why this is something God gives us rather than something that that can be really, really difficult. And so I failed to do that, right? Now, in preaching, you do forget to do that sometimes, um, but I should have done it. Now, the person that came to talk to me about this was someone who loved me and loved the church. Now, Scripture says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So I listened and I started asking a couple of clarifying questions. Like, okay, just help me wrap my head around this. Make sure I understand exactly what we're talking about because I wanted to add to my learning. And then in the process of that, I prayed a prayer whilst I was talking to the person. I didn't say it out loud. That would have been weird. I said in my head... Um, and, and the prayer was, God, what do you want me to hear? What is it that you want me to hear and do with this? What do I take on? What do I value? And what's not for me to value? And when I had the chance to respond, and I'm speaking to this person, they were getting live, real time, what God was doing in my heart. As I'm working it through, I'm like, ah, oh, and God is moulding and shaping my heart. I'm not on my own acting out of any hurt or disrespect or anything else that I'm, I wasn't feeling, but I might have been feeling. I was operating out of this space of, okay, God, what is it you want me to, to do? How do I get guidance from what you've said? Now, here's why it was gold. Because the next time I preached, the gift that I've been offered affected my preaching. And so I'm more pastoral. I'm more on point, I'm more aware of what that word might say to others and to not compromise on what the word is but to help people internalise it and deal with it better. So as a result of that confrontation, people were blessed but only because what God did in me with it. So we all have a default of what we go to and what we jump to when we're confronted. 
And we all wish, and we might be sitting here thinking of different confrontations that have happened, going, oh, I just wish God was more in that. So I want us to ask this question. Just turn to the person next to you. Carrie, you might need to move or just have a chat to yourself. Um, but, but I want us just to, to talk for just for a couple of minutes on this question. What do you need to remember when being confronted, knowing yourself and how you usually respond to confrontation? So this isn't a comprehension test of our um, sermon so far. But what we've covered so far, when somebody confronts you, what's, what's your Achilles here? What's your gap? What's your, oh, I do this? And, well, maybe I need to flip it. Maybe I need to do this instead. So let's just have a little bit of a conversation with the people that are around you for just a couple of minutes. Go. So when we're on the receiving end of confrontation, we're being offered a gift which can add to what God is doing in life. So let's go back to my story that I sort of shared before. What if it had played out completely differently? What if instead of the person handling it really, really well, they were super mad and let me know? They were livid. They were angry. They were off their mind. They were, they were uncontrolled in their rage toward me. right? And so they started to make it really personal. And they started to, to attack me or my character. They started to um, have a crack at my kids or my family or my ministry or all that thing, which does happen, right? It's not happening in village, but it does happen. What should I do then? Like when the stakes are, are, are cranked up, when it's more volatile, what do we do in circumstances like that? Well, there's what I want to do, right? Which is lock and load. If you're going to meet me with such force, I will... Meet you, I will take that and, and give you mine, yeah. So that's one. So there's what I want to do. And then there's the, the problem. There's what I should do, right? Ugh, I know I shouldn't do this, but the what I should do can actually result in us being passive and not saying anything and then afterwards kicking ourselves that we maybe should said something. So both those options are like not really great, but there's a third way. And Jesus always operates in this third way. He's like, well, you've heard it said, this and this and that, but I tell you. And the third way is welcoming God into that scenario and situation as quick as you can. And, and you don't need to welcome God to deal with this. You need God to welcome in to deal with this. Because that person, regardless of how they've wrapped it, is offering you a gift that you can use. And you can look at how bad the wrapping is and be really offended by how bad the wrapping is or you can go, what's the actual gift that has been given to me that I can actually value and God can use to help in my life? So I don't need to try and be restrained. I don't need to sit in that space that says, I know I should do this. I just need to invite God into the situation who says there is no condemnation in Christ. So if we move, if we're in that scenario and we move into Christ, there's no condemnation in Christ, right? So I can't be condemned and identified by those words because God says different things about me. So I don't need to take on whatever is being said. I know what God says about me, so I'm not accepting your condemnation, but in the same way, I'm not going to lay it back on you. So regardless of how the other person is, and the frame of mind that they might be particularly in, or the grievance that they, they hold that has happened to them, the principle still stands. First of all, we listen, and then we ask God to guide us in his ways, not our ways. See, when I value what God is doing in me, everything else I can just brush off. Because it's more often about the person and the stuff that's happening with them 
that is happening with me. And I actually help them by being a, a channel by which some of that uh, pressure that they're feeling can be released. Because when we're confronted, we have the opportunity to confront back. We really do. And that's where those three words that we covered last week are so helpful. What were the three words? Yes. Go, Gary. So I can still confront back, but I cannot condemn in my confrontation back. I don't need to condemn that person, even though I might feel like they're trying to condemn me. My role is to redeem the situation. I get to redeem this situation. Ephesians 1.7 says, in Christ we have redemption. We've been given redemption. It's ours to use. It's this this wonderful thing we have from God to, to use in this world, to live by and to give others to. I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins and according to the riches of grace. If I remain in Christ, I can be a force of redemption. And frequently when we're caught off guard, when somebody confronts us and we're like, oh, I wasn't ready for this, we go, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. Well, now you do. You listen and invite Christ into that situation, invite God into that situation. Go, God, what's going to happen is I'm given something that I, I need you to do something in this thing and I work out of that space. So, as you, as you know, a few years ago I wrote a book called The Anonymous Leader. And the book is about how do you get out of the way um, and let people be followed by Jesus, uh, be uh, led by Jesus. Um, and a man who I deeply respected and deeply um, valued as a much older kind of mentor figure in my life, who was on my email mailing list, so I had the subscription list, and he was part of that. And one day he emails me out of the blue with no like prior connection. We hadn't spoken in a couple of years, so no no reason for this. And he emails me, this email pops up on inbox and this is what it said, right? It wasn't a big email at all. It said, I don't want to receive correspondence from someone as arrogant and self-righteous as you. That's what it said, right? Out of the blue. Now that was really strange because I'm not arrogant or self-righteous, right? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was really strange because I'd just written a book on the whole thing and I'm like, oh man, if I can't if I can't come across, if I come across as arrogant and self-righteous, what does that say about everything? And two, it was unprovoked. Like, where the heck did that come from? It was strange. It was out of the blue. And so I wrote back to him, and I told him exactly what I thought. Like, I wrote the lock and load. Like, all right. Also, and I and I, I listed all the things of why he was wrong and why I was right. It was quite self-righteous. And and I kind of laid it on thick. And once I'd done that, I then deleted the draft because you should never send those emails. So get it out of your system, delete the draft. And I stepped back and I went, okay, what if I listen to this? If I listen to this email, what is there for me? And so I started to, to listen to these couple of lines. Like, what, what was going on? What, what did I need to address in me that's clearly been part of provoking someone to do that? And then I said, God, what, what is it? Can you, can you show me? Can you, can you help me? Can you um, reveal to me whatever it is that I might need to know because of this? And as a result, I kind of came to a place where I could respond. And so I responded and I said, look, I'm really sorry that you, you feel that way. And if I've done something that's provoked those things, I'm really sorry. I would love to learn more about what I've done. Could you give me some more details? Um, can you help paint a picture for this? That was two years ago, and I'm still waiting for a response. Still waiting. And I have no idea what happened with the rest of that. But I do know that I fulfilled what Scripture called me to in responding to that. 
which wasn't my natural inclination. It wasn't where I started, but it's where I ended. And as soon as I hit send, I had peace about it. I'm like, if something comes back, it's valuable that God wants me to know. And if nothing comes back, then I've done everything I need to do to kind of look after and care for this person at the same time as not let those words determine me. So Jesus has a really good insight for this. He's um, about how we, we handle these kinds of, of confrontation. In Luke 10, he talks about sending out 72 disciples. He sends out these disciples and he gives them a whole bunch of instructions. Like, don't get distracted on the way. Don't take with you anything you might need. Um, when you go to town, find the person of peace and, and bless that town and do a bunch of stuff there. And then, in verse 10 of Luke 10, he says something really interesting. He says, but when you enter a town and you're not welcome. So when you go somewhere and there's confrontation and there's criticism and you're not welcome there, this is what you need to say. Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Shake the dust off. Wipe the dirt off. Do not let the dirt of other people's criticisms and confrontation stick on you. So often we let the dirt that others fling at us because of where they're at stick to us and it changes us and it defines us. Yesterday, I was entrusted with both of our children for an entire day. I literally went mad. But Hamish broke a new world record. No, a new Hamish record. He managed to go through three full sets of clean clothes in a day when we didn't do a bunch of stuff outside. It was remarkable. It just get, get soaked and wet and dirt and that everywhere. I'm like, and the dirt's not a big factor, but when you're walking around the house just drenched, it just makes a mess, right? So change your clothes, change your clothes, change your clothes. So we've done two. We've gone out. We're around the lake, and he gets covered in mud. And he's in a whale of a time. He's loving it. He's just filthy from head to toe. He's soaked and thinking this is the best thing ever. And we walk back to the house, and just as we're about to cross the road, my neighbor gets comes home and comes out to have a chat. And so in the course of the chat, um, she comments on Zari's uh, jumper and Zari wants to show her a t-shirt off. So she pulls a jumper off and shows the t-shirt and Hamish thinks, this is amazing. So he goes to pull up his shirt and flashes her and it's just mud everywhere. And my neighbor's response was, wow, you're really dirty, right? It's just her response. And she was spot on. He was filthy, right? Absolutely filthy. The dirt determined what she thought of him. She looked at him, she saw the dirt, determined what she thought of him. And when we carry around the dirt that's flung at us, it shapes who we are, and then it shapes how others see us. Jesus knew that if we carried around the effects of rejection, of criticism, of others' condemnation, the dust that can rest on us after a confrontation... It defines us more easily and readily than God's grace does. It's easier for that stuff to define us than it is for what God says to refine us. So he reminds them. He reminds us. Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet in protest against you. Yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. I'm protesting the condemnation put on me by shaking it off. You don't have a right to do that, but I'm not going to challenge your right. I'm just not going to let it stick 
on me. I wipe it off. And how can I do that? Because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is just here. And I'm part of that kingdom. I'm defined by the king and what the king says about me. Not what your confrontation and your potential condemnation says about me. So we want to do something really wonderful now. I want us to welcome the confrontation of God. What is it that God wants to confront you about? And maybe it's condemnation that you've just realized is still stuck on you from what other people have said to you or about you. Maybe you're sitting here like, yeah, actually I'm covered in other people's dirt. I need to shake that off. Maybe maybe he, he wants to be with you more and more and more, but you're just too distracted or too busy or, or life is too full. And you're thinking, oh, I, I love it at Village because I get this sense of God's presence. But the rest of the day, it just seems to escape me. Maybe you're hiding a secret that you're like, if this ever came out, oh my gosh. And God's like, I want to drag it into the light. I want to steal its power. Maybe it's a step of faith that you need to take that you've been avoiding. Maybe you're just hurting. And God wants to confront you with his kindness and his presence. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then that's going to kind of signify the end of our time together. But over here, Ori and Wendy are going to sit. And over here, Fiona and I are going to sit. And if you want some prayer, come up. And if someone's there, just wait and hang out. And there's not many of us today. Um, but, but if you want us to pray for you, you can tell us as little or as much as you like. It doesn't matter. But we don't want people to leave here with a sense of, oh, God had business he wanted to do with me. And I should have sat with others in a vulnerable space and trusted in God's grace. And I didn't. And we are the body of Christ. We are family. So you won't be judged. You, you won't have anything put on you. But what we hope is that God will take stuff off you and give him that which he wants you to have. So that's, um, that's basically uh, what we're going to do. So let's, um, let's pray. Loving God, we, um, we can be really injured from confrontations, just like we can really injure others. But we pray you would forgive us for, um, for times when we've condemned others, for times when we've done that maybe in our thoughts as well as our actions when we stood in that self-righteous place and thought we, we, um, we deserve better. God, forgive us and release us from that. But, but we come before you now to, to pray that you would just remove some of that dirt that might have stuck, that your presence might minister to us. You might care for us in this space where we're at. You might speak new words over us. You might bring clarity to, to the vision we have as we, we look forward. You might stir deeply of your presence in our lives. Can we just pause for a few moments to, to welcome your spirit amongst us, to be obedient and to open ourselves and be vulnerable before you. God, minister to us now through your spirit, we pray. Lord, we thank you for your caring time with us your attention to our lives, the kindness that you have for us. Or maybe those things of your nature and your character that define us, that shape us, that determine who we are. And may we be empowered to, to confront, not to condemn.
them and to, to listen and to discern. And may we be a, a force of your love and your grace in this world that people might see you as we engage in confrontation. And we ask this in your powerful name.